welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of the pastors at Providence Church in Omaha, Nebraska. The goal of this podcast is to help you live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing total depravity. That sounds really serious when we introduce it as total depravity. I know, depravity. Right, you said total depravity. I was like, wow, this is a big deal. <laughs> well, I mean, this is carrying on from our discussion from last week about the doctrines of grace. And that sounds a lot softer. That uh, Yeah, if someone's never heard of total depravity and they just hear that intro, <laughs> it's going to be a little strange. Right. So hopefully we caught you before you turned off your... You know, radio. Yeah, hopefully or, you're stuck with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, today, as we said, we're talking about total depravity, but it's actually going to be a great conversation if you tune yeah, in. Yeah, lighthearted and easy, probably. <laughs> so easy. Last week we talked about the doctrines of grace, which grace we didn't really say this last time, but grace is unmerited favor. We get something that we truly don't deserve, and the doctrines of grace talk about God's favor toward us when we didn't deserve it in regards to our salvation. Wow, it's almost like you believe it. (laughs) Okay, I think I believe some of it, but I think I'm still growing. (laughs) Like most of us are. Yes. It's okay. Exactly. This one will be less emotionally charged, I think, because I 100%. Well, I think I believe in total depravity. I'm pretty sure. Well, let's find out. Okay, perfect. Total depravity is the first step. When we talk about doctrines of grace, or if you've heard the acronym TULIP, that's the T. You maybe have heard this before, but a lot of people don't actually like the acronym for TULIP. It it doesn't best describe some of these doctrines. Mm. So we'll say it because it's what most people know, but we might give a little nuance to some of these. So when we talk about total depravity, this is the first step. So remember, doctrines of grace are looking at, uh, like you just said, Raven, It's the grace of God in our salvation. The question we're asking is, whose ultimate choice is our salvation? Is it that we chose God and so he chose us? Mm. Or is it that God chose us so we will choose him? That's kind of the question that we are talking about. So the first point, when we talk about total depravity, or some people will call it radical depravity, or I think R.C. Sproul called it radical corruption, Mm. um, What we're talking about is essentially our fallen nature, so our sin. You maybe have heard of uh, like original sin. So original sin is that when Adam fell, that means that when everybody's born, we're born sinful. Does that Mm, make sense? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, don't they use original sin in the Catholic Church too? Yeah. I mean, most Christians historically will have believed in original sin in some capacity. All right. That's a core element to like Reformed theology or or Calvinism, what we're talking about today. I had a professor, his name is James Anderson. He defines total depravity this way. He said, since the fall, so that's the fall of Adam and Eve, since sin entered into the world, humans are enslaved to sin and by nature bent toward evil in every part. Mm. Okay, so total depravity is that humans are enslaved to sin and by nature bent toward evil in every part. One of the common misconceptions when we talk about total depravity is that every human is as bad as they possibly could be. Like to be totally depraved sounds Mm. bad, right? Like it's like that you are Hitler, basically. (laughs) Like you are as bad as completely possible. That's not what we're saying. So we're not saying you're as bad as you could be. What this doctrine is saying is that we are completely covered or enslaved to or dead in sin. 
Mm. Yeah, because there are a lot of people that don't believe or have a relationship with the Lord, but they're making good decisions. They're not like completely wicked. Yeah, they can do good things or good things for the world or for other people. R.C. Sproul, again, he said, total depravity, it doesn't mean utter depravity. It doesn't mean that humans are as wicked as they possibly can be. Mm. But he says it means that the fall was so serious that it affects the whole person. So when you think total or radical, don't think complete, just think it affects everything about you. So he Mm. said, the body, the mind, the will, the spirit, the whole person have been infected by the power of sin. So that's kind of what we're talking about. So it's not that you are, you know, what Christian, non-Christian, it's not that you're as bad as you possibly could be because you've probably made some good decisions Mm -hmm. and you could have made worse ones. Like most of us, there's a lot of worse things that we could have done with our lives, even if you're not a Christian. But what we are saying is that everything about you has been infected by sin. It's the idea of being enslaved, Romans 6 says, to sin, or Ephesians 2 says we're dead in sin. It's that kind of idea. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction, though, because normally I would think of it as probably utter depravity of being so, so wicked. But I do have people in my life that don't have a relationship with the Lord, and they still make good decisions. So it's a good distinction of just saying, however, left to our natural bent, we are evil because of the fall. The one thing that's probably interesting to note too is when we say that people are somewhat good or they make some good decisions, that is also primarily speaking in a worldly perspective. So we're Mm. saying in the world, some non-Christians or we can make good decisions. However, the Bible does say that apart from faith, we cannot actually please God. So the things that we do, even the good things in the world are tainted by sin. So they're actually not good things that we're doing. Mm. And so from a worldly perspective, we're saying, yeah, you could make worse decisions than you're making now, but even our good decisions. So Isaiah 64, six says, even our righteous deeds in ourselves are like filthy rags compared to God. So it's like, Mm. even our good decisions still are marred by sin. So we could have people that do good things uh, or philanthropists that are trying to do good things in the world, but those things that are not done to glorify God still actually from an eternal perspective are not good, holy things. Mm. So then why is this part of the argument for TULIP or for the doctrines of grace? Why is this essential to that whole idea and thought? Yeah, so the question is about salvation and who's choosing who in salvation. What this is, is it's basically laying the groundwork. It's kind of like the anthropology. It's looking at the human condition Mm. when we think of salvation. So what it's saying, again, it's directly looking at Ephesians 2, which maybe I'll just read this. So this is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. This is describing our state as humans apart from God before he intervenes. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Mm. So that's basically saying we as a people are dead in our sins. We are walking in this death. So our lifestyle is one of being, Romans 6 says, we're enslaved. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have these chains on us to sin. Martin Luther talked about the bondage of our will. So God gives us a free will, but that will is now bound to choose 
sin and mm-hmm. death and the things of the world, uh, which is what Ephesians is talking about here, that we are walking in the passions of our flesh, the desires of our body, and that because of all that, we are children of wrath. So mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, one of the like starkest and darkest probably right. like pictures of humanity, yeah. but it's basically saying because of the fall, we are dead in our sin, we're enslaved to our sin, we're walking in our sin, and mm-hmm. because of that, we are children of wrath. And that is every single human being's state apart from God. So if mm-hmm. God does not intervene, that's our reality. So then that's going along with the doctrines of grace saying that fallen humans can't choose Jesus on their own, which yeah. some people would say that you could choose Christ. Yeah, so the opposite own. of radical depravity would be, um, some people might call it like partial depravity. So everyone's going to say that humans are sinful, right? right. No, no one's going to say, I mean, even a lot of non-Christians would say that we're like, humans aren't perfect. Okay. So what we're saying is that humans have sin. That's how we define it. So even somebody who doesn't believe in the doctrines of grace would say that humans are sinful, but they would say that we still have the moral capacity or the will is not utterly bound to our sin, but that we could actually choose God first. Hmm. Is there scripture that backs that up? Because I don't really think that I would believe that if I heard that. Just because, I mean, all throughout scripture, we talk about just being dead in our sin and our trespasses. And I mean, I even think there are passages that say, we cannot even approach God on our own. I mean, that's the whole point of having Christ. He's our mediator. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think the argument would be that, so we are like dead in sin, but God gives us the ability to like by the preaching of the gospel, he gives us this kind of like grace and hearing the gospel to be able to actually choose him. So he gives you the faculties within your moral compass and your free will to be able to choose him, even though you are bent towards sin. Again, it the it's often, I think, de- defined as like a partial depravity. So it's like you mm-hmm. are dead in sin, but you still have this free will that's functioning and working. And so there is still a possibility uh, of you being able to choose God Mm. or he makes that possible for you, which we would really emphasize the deadness of that passage (laughs) of like you're dead and you're enslaved and there is no ability for you anymore to choose God, which is where the rub comes in. Because some people say, well, if you don't have the ability to do it, then you shouldn't be asked to do it. Essentially, Mm. we would say that you have been given the command and the call to follow God, but in your sin, you are actively choosing not to because you are enslaved to those sins. Hmm. And so then that's the whole point of by God revealing himself to you, then you can actually choose him by his sovereignty or by him being over everything. Then he has the power to change your heart so that you can then accept him. Yeah. So John chapter three, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he's talking about how you enter into the kingdom of God. And he Mm -hmm. says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, and he goes on to say that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Ultimately, the question is, how do you get into the kingdom of God? That's another way of saying, like, how are you saved? How are you saved from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of God? 
So before you can actually be saved, Jesus says something has to happen to you first, which is that you actually have to be born not just of water or not just of the flesh he talks about, but of the spirit. There has to be what he goes on to call a rebirth. You have to be Mm. spiritually made alive again and then you can be saved. And so what we would say is in our total depravity or because we are totally dead in sin, you can't even just go from being dead and enslaved to sin to choosing, I want to follow Jesus. It's that you actually have to be born again to be able to enter into the kingdom of God then. And so uh, how we would argue that is that in you being dead in sin, the spirit actually has to regenerate your heart before you can have the faith to choose God, which we would say you do need to actually make a a choice to submit to Jesus as your savior and Lord. But you do that because God first intervenes in your heart. How is total depravity essential to the idea of salvation? Well, yeah, I think that if we are not totally depraved and we are not dead in, in our sin and we can make a decision for Jesus just by ourselves, Mm -hmm. I would argue that is a work that you are doing. That is something that you have done that if God just generally offers salvation to everybody, but it is on you to make the decision to choose him ultimately. Again, we're not talking about if God elects it all. We said everyone has to believe that. We're also not talking about that you you don't have any choice. Everyone believes that you have a choice. Like if I preach the gospel to you, at some point you have to actually respond. So neither of those are the question. The question is mm. who's ultimately determining that? What's the what's the first step in this? And so total depravity says that ultimate factor is actually in God's hand, not your hand. So you don't even have the work of choosing God. So we would say if you do have that ability and that is on you, that's actually a work that you're adding to the gospel to be able to even receive the gospel. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. If you've read the book, The Lord of the Flies, it talks about just human nature in yeah. general and how they revert back to this natural state of yeah, choosing what their evil impulses yeah. would want. I do think total depravity gives us a better understanding of suffering and wickedness in the world because it tells us that we are not morally neutral agent like we're not sometimes choosing good and sometimes choosing to follow god and like glorify him sometimes not like it it shows us that because of sin we are all some a lot more overtly and a lot more like publicly harmful to other people but we are all actually in rebellion of god and it's causing more suffering and wickedness in the world like Mm. even our pride or our selfishness brings destruction in relationships or in the workplace or things like that. Like even these little things that, you know, for non-Christians having kind of pride in yourself or something may not seem like that big a deal, but we're saying that's not being oriented around how God has created you to function, which is to honor him and glorify him. So when we don't do that, we are going to bring destruction and and problems. And so the, the idea of total depravity, it shows that, this is why the world is the way that it is. And so I think it gives us a better understanding. And we don't necessarily have to ask the question of why is God allowing suffering or why is suffering happening in the world? Well, it's happening because of sin. And sin has affected not only just humans, but it's affected, Romans 8 says, the whole world. The whole world, like our actual world is groaning because of the effects of sin. So I think it just gives a better understanding. Um, And then... Conversely on that, a better understanding of total depravity, again, I said this in the last podcast, it shines a greater light on the grace of Jesus because 
you did not, if total depravity is true in your salvation, that means that Jesus did not even save you because you chose him to Mm -hmm. save you or you wanted him to save you. Jesus saved you even when you didn't want to. Like even when you were still running in your rebellion, he not only died for you, but then he actually sent a spirit to make you alive again. Even like this is, again, Mm -hmm. it just, it accentuates the grace of Jesus more than anything else, I think. And so we're arguing that you are so like dead and enslaved in sin that his grace didn't even come to you. The the illustration sometimes is given that Mm. Jesus's death is like a a gift, right? And he's like holding it out, but you have to actually go and take it and choose to receive it. Total depravity is saying you can't even do that. And, or Mm. another illustration that people give is like, you're in this like body of water or whatever, and you're drowning and Jesus kind of has his hand out and you have to like, just reach up and grab it. We're not even saying that. What Mm. we're saying is you literally reject the gift or you are dead at the bottom of the ocean and Jesus comes down and he gets you and he saves you and revives you and brings you to life. And so it just utterly shines light and emphasis on the grace of Jesus. And it reminds us that there really is nothing that we've done to get there. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to help you live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. If you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. We'll see you next week.